Counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your Honor. Curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Overruled. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and argue for or against the movies being on that list. My name is Johannes. And I am Raji. Today we're talking about another film on that list. The quintessential Quentin Tarantino neo-noir black comedy crime film. Pulp Fiction, released on October 14th, 1994, starring John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, and Uma Thurman, among others, with an IMDb rating of 8.9 out of 10. Before we go to Hollywood, however, how have you been? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I've uh, discovered uh, making jams and canning. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another quarantine skill, I guess. Oh, man, that's cool. That's cool. Yes, I should get you some. Uh, I wouldn't mind having some. <laughs> <laughs> how, how have you been? Uh, I have been really good. I became a father. Congratulations. Thank you very much. My wife gave birth to a bouncing uh, baby. She wasn't technically bouncing, uh, but she's a beautiful baby girl, and she's been both uh, an interesting uh, look into humanity and uh, an annoying alarm clock that wakes me up at 2 a.m. for, you know, curry and breast milk. So, (laughs) So... Uh, it's it's good. I'm so happy to have her here, and uh, but it's good to be back on the show. Yes, good to have you back. All right, we're flipping a coin. What's it gonna be, Raji? Heads or tails? Glass. The global stats is fifty point zero two heads, so it's most likely heads. So I'll go with heads. <laughs> okay. Oh, tail. Mm. Tail. Joys. The joys. <laughs> go on. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I'll argue against this movie i knew you were gonna argue against this movie i <laughs> knew you were gonna do it uh, <laughs> is, is, is that what you were hoping for uh no I, it's not as if i was hoping for you to argue against the film i knew you were gonna argue against this film um given your propensity and your views and some of the films that you watch i think that i i I felt like you would be more comfortable arguing against this film than arguing for it, and I was—I'm glad that you're—I was right about that, <laughs> uh, because it's actually quite a difficult. Well, not necessarily difficult, uh, because anyway, I guess I'll have to see your point, and maybe we can talk about it after the court case. Sounds good. But I'm going to be arguing for this film, um, and I guess you're going to go first. Yeah. Okay. But before we do that, uh, I guess we should have a bit of a synopsis. Well, let's do a synopsis. Vincent Vega and Jules Winfield are hitmen with a penchant for philosophical discussions. In this ultra-hip, multi-strand crime movie, their storyline is interwoven with those of their boss, gangster Marcellus Wallace, his actress wife, Mia, struggling boxer Butch Coolidge, master fixer Winston Wolf, and the nervous pair of armed robbers, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. Witness will address this court as judge or your honor. All right, your honor. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is a seemingly three-hour-long movie filled with lots of dialogue that's not going anywhere. Filled with B-plots and C-plots that are not quintessential to the story at all. And it's just droning and droning and droning, uh, kind of taking us 
on a trip through the gangster side of Hollywood that has some fascinating insights into that world, but ultimately is just meandering and uh, in classic Tarantino fashion, just uh, it's all about dialogue and all about uh, characters talking about random stuff uh, and then happen to to fall into situations um, that are outrageous and uh, dark and humorous. Uh, but I think this movie ultimately falls flat on on just delivering kind of a good cohesive kind of storyline uh, that is neatly tied up and uh, tells us a good story of of these hitmen essentially. And in my opinion, I think that um, this movie f- takes the original idea of a linear story and breaks it down into a non linear, lineated story um, in the sense that even though the movie seems like it's broken up, there's still a beginning, middle, and end. Um, It gives you very insightful characters, very exciting characters, different characters that you spend a significant amount of time understanding what makes them tick and what drives them forward. Um, And um, you don't spend so long uh, without being abruptly sent back uh, into uh, the movie world. So we get the stories of the characters uh, interacting with themselves, talking about the most random things parallel to the storyline, and then we're abruptly hit back into the movie and given something exciting to watch. And we watch how these characters react to those situations. And I think the idea behind Pulp Fiction is giving the characters that we now know a little about, how do they react to that, um, and we get to enjoy something that seems way out of the ordinary and uh, way more interesting than you would have anticipated it would be. So this is a really great film, in my opinion. I think, uh, like, case in point for myself, I think this movie opens up um, with a couple that we don't see until, like, 2 hours and 15, um, like, into the movie. Like, you know, we open up with them and then... We end with them, um, and like, I, I guess my argument is like, there's so many characters that have interesting conversations. You could argue for that, but um, these characters are not really developed. They, they, you know, just happen upon them, and then interesting characters like the the couple in the beginning, they're not visited at all until the very end because they're just a prop for our main heroes to, um, to do another random thing essentially so the, the the that whole setup and the the couple is arguably kind of not needed because there's nothing of of real value um that that we get from that because we already understand the characters of uh, Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta uh, we already understand what how they tick because we've been on a journey with them you know, throughout the movie and Anything that happens in the diner is just another uh, attempt at showing us how cool Samuel L. Jackson's character is. And I, I think that's kind of pointless. I think similar things go for Bruce Willis's character. That That's just a side character that goes on his own random side quest that doesn't really go anywhere and is not needed for this. So it's just a long, drawn-out movie um, with not a great payoff um, if we just look at the, the core story at heart. 
I'm going to counter your point and point out that one of the interesting things about the film, because you mentioned that this, the two characters at the very beginning of the film are played by Tim Roth and I'm not, is it Amanda Plummer? Um, uh, they they were in the uh, the diner at the very beginning talking about plots about where they need to where it would be easiest to rob, and they talked about you know the diner being the easiest place. What why why aren't people robbing the diner? And you mentioned that this was they were just um, useless um, characters that the uh, our main protagonist. Um, specifically Samuel L. Jackson um, uses. Uh, but I do want to point out that this is a... There may be props, um, and I, w- I may ag- agree with the fact that they are props, but they are significant because they get to show us the growth in the character specifically of Samuel L. Jackson. Um, at the very beginning, he didn't blink an eye when he took a life, and at the very end, he paid somebody to save their life. Um, and I think that, that that's quite a character growth, given the fact that it's based on just the per- period where the late Rosanna Arquette came out and shot three times or several times and each missed them. And he found God in that period. Um, and uh, he says he wants to be a changed man. Um, and as a result of that, the, the interaction with the you know the Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer character was totally different than what you would have expected at the beginning of the film, where he would have just brought out his gun and shot those characters. I think that, that those characters were put there to show the growth in the characters from the very beginning of the film, where they walked into a house after talking about um, Royale with cheese, and they killed a bunch of dudes, and uh, the end of the film where he he paid them fifteen hundred dollars let them leave the diner with all the things they stole and told them they should get a better life. And he's a changed man. So I don't think that that, those characters are insignificant. See, I feel like uh, his character arc is just, I mean, we see him going through a day of just mishaps, right? Him and uh, and Travolta. Um, Like we see him early in the morning going to that, uh, that flat and then shooting up a couple of people on, like I said, they were shot at, but very uh, unsuccessfully. Um, and then the, the, the car thing happens and they need to deal with that and clean up with that. And I just feel like, um, th- these two characters have been, been through so much that very day. Like it's not even like lunchtime yet. It seems like, um, that that's just the point of like, okay, I'm done with this. Like this, uh, this, this, this sucked <laughs> like today sucked and uh yeah i don't know I, I i don't necessarily think that's like showing us a lot of character growth it just feels like okay this was not great maybe this is not the greatest career in the world anymore i i feel i feel like one of the things that this the strength of this film um is how these characters uh react in the most I would say like the, the situations they put themselves in are so crazy. They are quite imaginative, I should I say. They are, they are far from believable. So these characters are not put in real, <clears throat> real situations. And like you said, these characters have been through a lot through the whole day. 
um, you know, and um, they've been through a lot. But the thing about it is, the question, the the the, the strength of the film is the dialogues they have. Uh, you know, they have conversations about very weird things. These people are going out to kill um, um, people who've double-crossed um, Marcellus, and uh, they're talking about foot massages, uh, Burger um, McDonald's, and, you know, in, in foreign countries. Uh, they get to the door, they looked at the time, and it's like, it's, it's not yet 7.30. Let's just stop in the corner and have more of a conversation about the most mundane things. And they walk into the room, and everything escalates from that point. And you know, it you know, several people are, are shot. Um, and even on the way home, um, they shot the dude in the car. Um, and then you know, the fact that Rosanna Arquette came comes out, shoots at them, and they miss. Everything escalates just like that, and all of a sudden, he doesn't want to be a killer anymore. So you have a situation where you are introduced to one character at the very beginning who um, who fits a certain role. And at the end of the film, we get to see them fit a totally different role. Um, and I think that there are elements of metaphysical things at play uh, because they talk about a lot of God in the story, a lot of um, metaphysical coincidences. For example... Uh, Vin Grames running into the character Butch, which was played by Bruce Willis, in the car. Um, the fact that when Butch comes into his house, the guy is uh, in the bathroom uh, with a gun on the table. Uh, I think I'll talk a little bit about John Travolta's character and uh, the use of weapons, which is something that he was very, very bad at throughout the film. Um, and the fact that every single time he goes into the restroom, you know something bad is going to happen. But, you know, even at the end of the film, he was going into the restroom, and when he comes out, these guys were holding up the restaurant. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is, the only character that we see a character arc with is Samuel L. Jackson throughout the film. And he started off being cold-blooded killer, and he ends up being the person who found God um, through, the most un through the most remarkable event surrounded by the most unremarkable conversations. Um, and I think that is the power of Pulp Fiction. They take unremarkable mundane conversations and they make it so interesting that you invest in the character, you're willing to see where the story goes, and then just when you're getting comfortable, you are excited with something totally out of left field. Uh, and you're like, how do these characters that we've been following for this period re uh, uh, react to the situation? And I think that's where the interest of Pulp Fiction is. I think I hear you um, on that a little bit, but it's, like I said, at the end of the day, I think it's just uh, meandering and um, droning too much on, on getting to the point. Uh, I, uh, I, I think the, like I said, the the main culprit of that is the Butch uh, plot, that is not really connected to a lot. I mean, it's connected to Marcellus, but well, and technically to to Vince as well. But it's, uh, you could have taken the Butch plot out easily, and nothing would have 
nothing of the outcome of the main storyline would have changed, really. And um, I think that this that I think that just shows us kind of imperfections of of a movie that is such a cult classic. Right? I I understand there's a lot of the, the, like um, cult like this movie is is a cult classic because of the conversations, because of the the odd things that happen, uh, like the the meme of John Travolta in this. Uh, in, in so many facets is 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 fascinating but uh is it a meme because it's so campy and and odd or is it is it just yeah i don't i don't i don't necessarily get um, it um and i think that the question of whether it um the movie is relatable and i can understand if you say the movie is not relatable because i think that there are a number of things that are out out of date a lot of conversations that are show a lot of uh that are very outdated but i think that the the story let me i i, I mean what did you think about the uma thurman story for example um I, let's i'll let's talk let's leave butch let's leave butch alone for a few minutes and let's talk about the uma thurman story and how underrated of an actress she is um as she, uh, you get in her sultry voice from the radio saying um, where he, ex he should be and she'll be down in a few minutes. Um, she's oozing personality throughout. Uh, we see her transformation as she's been uh, from the uh, character who is always being sultry and provocative to somebody who is helpless within seconds. And at the very end of the film, we get to hear the joke, which was actually not too bad of a joke uh, about the ketchup. Um, but I do feel like her character, uh, we go through a lot with every single character. And I, I don't if you think of the movie as four different stories uh, that are intertwined uh, with characters that relate to each other, which is what Pulp Fiction actually is, um, then everything makes sense. And you mentioned the Butch story, but the Butch story is also moves the story forward. One of the things that the Butch story does is gives us uh, a, a more fulfilling, uh, a, a more rounded character for who Marcellus was by putting Marcellus in a situation where uh, nobody would like to be in. Uh, how do they react to that? How do they react to a situation where you're double-crossed and... You are found in the room with, uh, I'm not going to say the two words, but they're two R words, racist and whatever. Um, and uh, they, how do they react to scenarios like that? Butch has been the person who had been out for himself. He's too prideful. Um, and at the very end, rather than let Marcellus alone in the room, he comes back with a sword. Um, the idea of picking up a sword is interesting in itself because uh, you would have to think that there has to be another weapon that would have been more effective. But the fact that this is a Quentin Tarantino film, he doesn't uh, shy away from the showmanship and he goes with that over something that is practical. And I think the fact that he does that and the way the story plays out gives the reader or the watcher some satisfaction because, you know, they're dealing with these two pieces uh, just two dudes who are doing this horrible thing. Um, and uh, I, I found it 
totally saddening and entertaining at the same time. Um, I think that every story had a beginning, a setup, a climax, and a resolution. Um, and I think that that is the strength of every the four stories in the film, and I'm counting the the people in the diner had a all of those characteristics, and they all combined into one story. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. So Uma Thurman, I think the now her storyline is essentially temptation, right? If if we go in kind of biblical terms, um, she she's essentially trying to to get uh, Travolta's character. Uh, in, into big trouble in a way but then she's not because they they end the night with oh you know we we keep the secret because otherwise we both would be in trouble so i i think that's kind of a weird character choice uh kind of veering on that that temptation thing which both would understand would end very badly for them um marcellus i think stands for toxic uh, masculinity and how fragile that can be <laughs> and I, I I found that whole scene in that uh, pawn shop to be extremely over the top unrealistic and, and just um, kind of made for laughs and somewhat inappropriate in a way because it's like uh, oh, let's get the dude. Let's let's get the gimp, and then you're like, oh, you, they cannot possibly have a dude in a gimp suit, but or a person in a gimp suit, I guess. Um, but they do, of course. It's a Tarantino movie. It's just kind of like, uh, okay, this is random, and I guess it's supposed to to go towards the the randomness of the world and how real, kind of realism in a way, like people are weird and random. Um. But then when you mentioned the web, the, the like choosing that sword, like we go through a montage of multiple different weapons that happen to be in this pawn shop, uh, one worse than the other, and then we end up with the uh, katana or with that with that sword, and uh, like I said, it's kind of impractical in in small tight spaces, so it's kind of a weird choice, but I guess it's kind of a setup for Kill Bill. Um, so. All in all, I think like I, I understand what conceptually what some of these main characters are, are trying to go for, but I think it's um, not precise enough in my opinion, and it's just and and a lot of it is is just used for for introducing more dialogue and more kind of craziness that that just happens, and I think that's. Um, that's standing in a way of, of making a arguably good film, like a true like masterpiece. Um, so I think one of the things that we, w one of the points where we differ on um, so far is the use of dialogue in this film. Um, I consider the use of dialogue to be quite the strength of the film because they don't talk like movie characters from any other film. They only talk like movie characters from the Quentin Tarantino film where they take things that seem very important and they make it mundane, and they take things that are mundane and make it seem very important. Like the royal 
the royal cheese, uh, the ro- the burger with cheese, the the royal friends. They made that conversation seem so important, but the idea of just killing somebody was just so like ordinary. It didn't feel like when he turned around with a gun in his hand and was like, "What do you think about this?" and he shoots the guy in the head. He was it was all conversational, all nonchalant, um, but the conversation about the foot massage was so intense conversations about people getting thrown from the top of the building with their legs being broken off and getting speech impediments you it's what makes the the movie so interesting is the fact that some of these mundane conversations they're having about you know like who who robs a diner and you're like oh shit who does oh, oh man who does rob a diner you know those conversations even though we know that robbing a diner is extremely impractical because a diner is not set up to be robbed. There are too many points of exit, the glass around the doors. People will be able to see everything that is going on, and at any point, anybody can call the cops. So it's not a good idea to rob a diner. So kids, don't do that. But plus, plus exactly, the money involved, plus the money involved is not that great. Involved, not so. that great. Most likely, <laughs> you're going to run into heroes because cops come to diners. You know, firemen come to diners. I don't think that uh, it's a good thing to do. But I, I do think that the conversation around it is interesting. Um, and, um, you know, I, another thing that I really liked the, about the film was how they juxtaposed speed with sound, with slowness, too. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of things that happened in the film that juxtaposed speed and uh, malaise. Like, for example, you know, when she's having the OD... Um, and John Travolta's character is driving down the street, speeding down the street, trying to get to the character who sold him the drugs. Um, he's calling frantically. That guy is just sitting down, eating cereal and watching cartoons. The phone rings several times, and he doesn't pick it up. Even his wife is like, I've told you that you should tell them not to call this late. And he's like, I'm going to pick up the phone and let them know. They're so, um, you know, the, the juxtaposition of franticness and just malaise is so interesting in the film too um so you know uh i i do i do think there's there are a couple of things that are wrong with the film but i think that i enjoyed the conversations a lot um i guess it also depends on the characters you're talking about uh but yeah uh that's my take on the conversation yeah i think so you said conversations are important or they they give you the illusion that they're like very important high stakes conversations uh, and that i think that's that's one of the strength like I, I give it that and that's one of the strengths of tarantino to be able to write conversations that are uh that feel real ultimately i think because like everybody knows like conversations like these where you just go into weird tangents and just go into like weird you know, you, you talk about weird things like the cultural differences between Europe and, and the US, right? Like you, you talk about these things and it's like, isn't it odd? Um, or things like, why doesn't anybody rob a diner? Or, you know, like like you, you go through these um, these scenarios and kind of talk them out with, with people. And I think that's that, that can be success, successful to portray that. And, and Tarantino is, is arguably one of the best in, in doing that. However, I think the danger is that 
these discussions ultimately are not really tied to anything. The cultural differences between Europe and the U.S. Uh, are just a throwaway. Uh, they they serve as a throwaway for just filling time and kind of telling us a little more about these characters, I guess. But it's it's just conversation. It's not really meaningful. It's funny. It's odd. But it's it's not meaningful. And I think the big risk with having more and more of these conversations that are ultimately not really doing anything with the story is that you uh, kind of get lost and um, kind of can get disinterested with the bigger picture because it's like, oh, here we go again, and then they're going to talk about five to ten minutes about random stuff. And I, th I think that's a, a huge risk, and uh, this movie kind of falls into that trap, in my opinion. So let's play a, let's play a simple game of the characters driving into uh, the house where they're going to kill those, th those three, uh, three characters. And imagine this, the conversation they had going there was something along the lines of, hey, Misala's told us to go kill these three guys. Yeah, we're going to do it. Ah, why are we killing them again? Because they have a box. Uh, we'll do it. We'll do it. So I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm asking for exposition, right? Like I said, I feel like it's, it's one of the strengths to have dialogue that is not exposition. Uh, I... I, I I realized that I uh, faulted Lord of the Rings for for being very exposition heavy, and that is one one of the things this movie doesn't do, and I think that's great. Uh, I, I I give it give it that, right? Like I think it's it's successful in that you understand the power dynamics between Marcellus and his henchmen, and and all that just by the stories that are told. However. I think it, it's really on that thin line and it's falling over from time to time where the the endless dialogue is just too much. And then that, that gets me disinterested in uh, what's going on and kind of takes me out. I will, I will give you some props and say that the, the dialogue between, um, the dialogue between um, Bruce Willis and uh, his French girlfriend was impractical. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I think that th that character, if you remove the whole sequence uh, of the girl from the film, let's just say you removed the French girlfriend from the film. Let's say he knocked the fighter out and he died and he gets to his hotel, checks his bag and couldn't find the watch and goes, I have to go back for my watch. Um, without all the questions about oral pleasure and all of those weird conversations they had, the movie would have still been good. Um, I think that if you look at it from that perspective, I will agree with you that we can remove that particular aspect. Um, that was the weakest part of the film, uh, in my opinion. Easily. Uh, but I do think that there is value in some of the conversations they were having um about you know they were basically talking about everything except exposition um so when the when things happened on screen they acted like a big surprise to us um and i think that 
I enjoyed the surprise of, you know, things just escalating out of nowhere um, based on the conversations that we're having because they were talking about, is God real? Um, and one of them was saying it was a coincidence. He turns back um, and uh, he shoots him in the head. Uh, I did mention that I wanted to talk about uh, John Travolta's character and his lack of gun control. For a gangster who was really who has been killing people for a long time. He does, he is very careless with his weapons and his drugs. <laughs> and he's, he's living everything in weird places. Uh, so it's quite, it's quite interesting uh, to see how all of those things played out. But um, I will say that um, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed a lot of the characters uh, I did not enjoy um, Ma Maria de Medeiros, who plays Fabian, who's Butch's girlfriend in the movie. Um, but I did enjoy quite a lot of the things. All right. I think that's all I have. All right, cool. Let's, uh, let's talk about the movie in general. Sounds good. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. So uh, I, I, I wanted to mention uh that i technically i enjoyed the film i'm i'm quite a big fan of the film but i think that there's a lot of um quentin tarantino grotesqueness in the film too uh that you know you know for example the conversation where quentin Tar quentin tarantino was the weakest Probably one of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's not, I wouldn't go there. But uh, By a director, let me just say, by a director. By the director of a film, acting in that role, it was very hard to watch him act like he's some tough guy, throwing the N-word left and right. Two N-words would have been like, okay, this guy showed up in your house with a dead body. I get two N-words. But four? That's too much. That's too much. That's grotesque. Two, two is too much, to be honest with you. You shouldn't be using it at all. He, and yeah. this, is, mm -hmm. this movie came out in 1994. But private conversations are private conversations, and people have private conversations every, every time. I can't judge people on private conversations. But when you go that far, you're like, all right, this is a little, this is a little too much. Um, Marvin, who got shot in the head, uh, sitting in the back, grotesque. I don't know why. I mean, I guess it serves the purpose to introduce Wolf, but a lot of those coincidences in the film, they seem to happen because they want to introduce another cool character. Yeah. So, somebody gets shot in the head. We get to meet the character that Quentin Tarantino plays. Yay! We get to meet the character Quentin Tarantino plays. You have a car in the house. Who's going to clean it up? We get to meet the Javi Keitel character, the wolf. Great character, by the way. But, you know, it just seems like these guys have been killing for so long. Shouldn't they have a routine at this particular point about how things play out? Um, but, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's... You bring up, you 
you bring up a good point that a lot of the story points and beats are purely there to uh, enable interesting characters to have more outrageous dialogue. Mm. <laughs> and uh, and I think Harvey Keitel's uh, character is one big example of that. I I have to admit, so I, I've never seen this movie in its entirety until uh, in preparation for this. Uh, I always got annoyed by the pointless dialogue um, all the way to like halfway through. So I never saw anything at least like after the like at the, up from the from the gimp stuff at the um at the pawn shop or anything like from pawn shop onwards i've never seen that before and so the whole setup in the beginning of uh vince uh, or uh, travolta and uh, samuel L. jackson entering uh marcellus's bar in a completely different clothes like that setup completely lost on me i mean i i understood okay something must have gotten wrong because they they wear different clothes now um but uh it was completely lost on me that that would be revealed why towards the end it was just a setup for haha look you look so weird now you're no longer the big mm. badass gang gangsters right uh so it was interesting to see the film in its entirety and kind of okay now now I understand some more of what Tarantino was going for. Uh, but like I said, I think a lot of the dialogue heaviness of this is very tricky for me because it's just hard to focus on what's going on because you always look for um, meaning, like you mm. said, right? And it's it's like a lot of this doesn't have any meaning. <laughs> it's just dialogue. and And again... I command Tarantino to be able to write dialogue that feels real and is not full of exposition. It's just random stuff that people talk about. Uh, but it's also a fascinating a fascinating coincidence that all the characters we meet in this quest are all super quirky and weird. And I feel like that's <laughs> kind of losing the, the realism of it, right? Like, yes, everybody has their quirks, but it's like, uh, like how like anyway how likely are things right but it's i mean it's the movie so it's it's fine it's uh, like i said i i understand that's one of tarantino's big gifts to be able to to have characters tell us interesting tangents that they come across and in a in a pretty real manner i think like a lot of these things like like i said feel just like conversations anybody could have um, it just so happens to be awful people usually, but again, it's just a, a lot of going nowhere and a lot of, um, the, the out of, um, sequence, uh, editing of this, of all these different plots that come together is a gimmick in a way. It feels like, and I kind of understand it's one of the first movies that did this, if I recall correctly, so I I can say I command trying this out and then kind of having a legacy of uh, other movies that do this uh, and then successfully as well. But it's just a long movie of dialogue and not a lot that happens, um, and the stuff that happens is very violent and kind of mm, yeah. I mean, it's 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 
entertaining, but it's also just kind of not going anywhere. I I, I should point out that I've been making a mistake a few minutes for a while now. I've been calling um, the guy who played the fourth, uh, the lady who played the fourth guy in the house. I've been calling him her Rosanna Arquette. It should be it should have been Alexis Arquette. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but I I think that um, this is a I guess this is a it all borders along how you see violent films, and not all violent films are violent films for the same reason. There's some movies that don't show any blood, but they're just as violent as others. So yeah. violence is um, violence is as is how you interpret it, mm-hmm. and I think that your point seems to identify the fact that for some people, the violence in this film is something that is not um, that is not uh, going to sit well with them, and they may pass on the film for that reason. I will say, like this movie as well as every other Quentin Tarantino film. Um, m- most of them use violence uh, as a means to drive the story along. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think in that scenario, then maybe this movie may not be for everybody. Um, no film is for everybody, but this film particularly will drive some people uh, away. But I do feel, I do feel, I do feel that there is a lot of strength in some of the characters and the quirkiness of the characters and the conversations they have are some of the things that make this movie stand out for what it should be. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I love it. I don't, there's, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Quentin Tarantino um, and he does, he has made uh, less violent films. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is not as violent as this, um, nor is um, the one he did with, uh, what's the name? Uh, the Lady, I've forgotten the name of that one. Kill Bill? Uh, not Kill Bill. Uh, the Black Lady from Foxy Brown. Oh, uh, Jackie uh, Brown. Jackie Brown, sorry. Uh, thank you, Jackie Brown. Uh, that was not a very violent film. I thought that was a very lovely film, too. Yep. They have some... Um, but I, I do think that Quentin Tarantino sometimes sees beauty in violence and he goes out of his way to make it as shocking and grotesque as he possibly can. Yeah. Um, and I think that this benefits from that particular worldview. And I think that if you are not a, a fan of a worldview where Quentin Tarantino uh, shows you violence as a means to push a story forward, then you may not like this film. But well, I, I, go on. No, I, I, I'm not against violence. Um, like I, I can. Oh, sounds bad, but I can find entertainment in violent movies sometimes. Um, so I'm I'm not opposed to that, and that's that's not offensive to me. I think the. Uh, just the beef I have with this is just length and just kind of drawn outness. Like it's not the, the, um, like the, the violence essentially is just a release for all the tension that you build up in this. 
uh, and and I think the beef I have is just uh, that long drawn out the build up. Okay. I I think I get what you're saying now. So in a scenario where you have a lot of um, high high tension, and the conversations lead to more tension, the violence is a kind of valve opening that lets all the tension out. Yeah. In a scenario like that, everything makes sense and the violence you can deal with. Yeah, but in yeah. a movie like this where um, the conversations are parallel to what is going on on screen and the violence is just the bridge that connects the actions of the character to the story going forward with a lot of conversations being in the periphery where it has no connection to where the story is going you feel like it's not a responsible way of doing violence because there's no tension being released. Um, it's just violence uh, out of randomness. Yeah, I mean, I, so I think... Again, I don't, I don't necessarily have any beef with the violence in this movie. I, I, I do think it's just uh, oftentimes a means to to get to the to the next story beat, right? But, but yes, it's kind of the the trigger point and the valve um, to, to get into the next misfortune of our characters. Mm. Right. And, 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 and again, to set up more dialogue, like the, my main beef is with the just drawn out conversations. But again, I understand that's Tarantino. So it's like the, the that's just what he does, right? He builds yeah. characters that are, um, that live, like, especially in his earlier movies, he builds characters that, that live in this kind of, gritty but kind of glamorous gangster uh environment in LA and uh, they just encounter day uh, they they just have days where things go wrong right and there's some interesting uh stories to be told in that with that mindset I think and I think Tarantino does that a lot but the way he tells it through overusing of dialogue that is not going anywhere is uh, just a little too tedious sometimes. And I think this movie is, is like the 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 best example of that. Like if you take this movie versus Reservoir Dogs, uh, which is I think much shorter, it's you, you kind of have the same kind of, um, set of characters in a way. You have you know, these gangsters, the same similar setting and all that, right? And there's lots of dialogue. And also tension that happens, and it culminates in a lot of violence. But um, it's it feels snappier than this movie. Hmm. I think that's that's my argument. One last point that I'll probably make is the one of the things I really didn't like was this: after Butch jumps down from the the boxing room with the money bags, he goes into this taxi, and they're driving down the street, and he's talking to the taxi driver, who's a woman, and the background is black and white, and I just kept going, but why? <laughs> but why did they do that? I mean, I, I, I know that the story of Butch was trying to connect his, uh, or should I say the struggles of Butch was trying to connect the story of his grandfather who hit the, his grandfather and his father. His father hit the clock in his butt cheeks for five years and died of dysentery. Um, and uh, <laughs> the story is just, uh, Christopher Walken was, had a short, a short role in the film, but he made a big impression. Um, but, but basically, but, oh, sorry, no, but but that that is one case in point for my argument, right? It's like it's this super drawn out story 
that is grotesque and and so needless just to <laughs> set up the conflict uh, later in the apartment mm, that's right? true and then it takes us 10 minutes to get through that <laughs> it's like oh can we please <laughs> can we please please stop this i mean if 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 he had come into the apartment i said um this clock belonged to your father and he went through a lot to get to you we would have still had the same effect but the details he went through telling the story it was just i was listening to the story i was just laughing uh because it, it it's like too much yeah but that's the thing that i remember about the film it's like what does christopher walken do in the film oh he came into the room and said your dad hit this watch in his butt, butt cheeks for five years and died of dysentery it's just so weird it's so weird. yes yeah yeah the, the one thing i'm really surprised about like understanding that this is such a cult classic at this point is that they have not to this day recreated that restaurant and run it like a bubblegum shrimp all over the place. <laughs> I am uh. so surprised about that because like I saw this movie and I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool restaurant with the cars and everything. Like that, yeah. that that's such an LA thing. Like, why is this not a thing? I'm really surprised by that. I, 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 that, answer, that I can't answer. And uh, I'm guessing, I don't know, probably, I don't know why. I'm just going to leave it to them. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, Here's an idea. <laughs> it is. It is. It is absolutely. But I did enjoy the film, um, and uh, I can't wait to see what is the next film we're going to be doing. The good and the bad. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Wow, that's a that's a movie I've seen quite a few times. Uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm looking forward. To, I'm, I mean, it's interesting to watch a film from the perspective of just entertainment versus watching a film for. Uh, you know, trying to get like a review and trying to figure out what is good and bad. Is that not a Sergio Sergio Leone film? That's a good question. Well, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is Sergio Leone. Uh, but yes, we'll 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 catch that out in the next episode. But I, yes. I've enjoyed this discussion today. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Movie Mistrial. And uh, you can always send us an email at uh, contact at moviemistrial.com. All right. Do you want to round um, it out? Sure. Well, good discussion. Talk to you for the next one. All right. Have a good week. Have a good week, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Bye.